Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. This is Sheng Peng, Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now. You can also find my work at MEC Sharks and Twitter at Sheng underscore Peng. And I'm Keegan McNally. You can find me on Twitter at Halfwall underscore Hockey at my website, half-wallhockey.com or at San Jose Hockey Now. It's a special Christmas episode, Shang. Yes. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> and uh, we've got uh, Stephen Ellis. Uh, he's the prospect analyst for Daily Faceoff. He's going to tell us all about the six Sharks prospects at the World Junior Championships, which are starting on the 26th. And he's also going to tell us why he's so high on Will Smith. It's an amazing interview with, amazing interview with Stephen Ellis. Uh, I didn't do a good enough job hyping him up in the beginning, but it really was an awesome discussion. So stick around for that. It's going to be um, towards the end of the episode. And it's going to be a very fun World Juniors uh, for everybody. But um, this week, what we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the Sharks' recent play and some of the um, rising play from players like Zadina. Uh, we're going to talk about Couture and Sturm news. Um, we're going to talk about a recent interview with uh, Chris Morehouse, the director of amateur scouting for the Sharks, and his thoughts on some of the Sharks' prospects, including the ones going to World Juniors. And your uh, thoughts and finally, on the, yeah, the preseason yeah. games. <laughs> and, I'm gonna, and I've been watching a lot of the... The World Juniors uh, preseason games, and they've been a ton of fun and uh, got some thoughts for that. And then finally, a Sharks Christmas wish list, then the interview. Um, I am wearing a Team USA jersey this week. Very jingoistic um, of you. I mean, yeah, it's it's World Junior season. USA. Uh, USA. USA. <laughs> Sharks have two USA prospects. They look like an amazing team that might go all the way. I'm wearing so, my holiday shirt, so yeah. So. Oh, I love it. I'm just here, just for, here the for the cookies. <laughs> That is what I'm so excited for tomorrow. Is uh, is just the cookies, hanging out, um, put movies on, that kind of thing. So, Merry Christmas to all. Yeah. Bye. What are you What are you watching tomorrow? Probably Die Hard. I do watch. Die Hard. <laughs> so you do consider that a Christmas movie, which I do yes. too, by the way. But yeah, oh, yeah, I don't know why that's such a debate. So yeah, I think it's just to bring Die Hard back into cultural relevancy. You know, and people just want to talk about Die Hard because it's an amazing movie. <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Sharks this week, who were bad, but <laughs> maybe some bright spots. Shang, what, uh, what was going on this week? Yeah, I think uh, the one guy who stands out as a bright spot is uh, Philip Zadina, um, reinserted back onto the top line with Tomas Hurdle. I think he's come out the last two games with a goal and two assists, I think. Um, anyway, it's not even just about necessarily the production, but he's just been all, all, all over. Uh, very helpful part of that line. Uh, he's uh, You notice him when, he, when he's out there, which is uh, in, in, a, in a good way here. He's not doing too much, but when he is uh, doing something, it's usually uh, something that on the more positive side. Um, have uh, noticed him, of course, over the last couple of weeks or so. I just wrote an article actually right before he got promoted. And uh, David Quinn was talking about how there's been no BS in Zadina's game. Just <laughs> a very direct uh direct forward checking back checking game which i highlighted uh in an article a few days ago with a bunch of clips that i've been collecting since uh, the, the detroit uh, game and uh he was on the fourth line for all of these games but you know i i think one of the things about zadina that um that 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 strikes me about his recent play and what got him promoted is a lot of times i feel like fans get really uh they really get agitated if like their favorite prospect or whatever gets, gets shuffled off to the mm -hmm. fourth line. 
the fourth line is not ideal, obviously, if you're a more offensive player and you're looking to produce and you're expected to produce, but you can still make an impact from there. And Zadina did. Zadina only had two assists in his seven games on the fourth line, but he was doing a lot of other things that um, that that got the, the the attention of the coaches and got him back on the first line, where now he's in a position to produce with Tom Ostrado and William Eklund. Mm-hmm. And so you can still impress in limited minutes. And I think um, I think a lot of times uh, I think uh, I do think that fans uh, give their favorite prospects too much of a break. Like, oh yeah, he just was on the fourth line; he didn't have a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, y- y- your, your chances aren't as great on there for sure. There's no, there's no doubt, but you know, overcoming your environment, right. That's, yeah. that's, 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 that's what you have to do in any, any situation as, 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 as an athlete. And so if your environment is a fourth line environment, not the most conducive for producing, well, do other things to impress the coaches. And that's exactly what Zadina did. So it's well-deserved where he's at right now. And I hope it continues. It'll be interesting to see if he sticks um, higher up in the lineup, kind of like Zetterland did, where his play has been so consistently good or decent um, that he's stuck pretty high up in the lineup. And and Zadina's moved and had the shuffle happen a couple of times, but um Hopefully, this is kind of the final one that keeps him up higher because that, that line looks good. Um, yeah, Eklund, yeah, they, they look really good the last couple of games. And I, yeah, mm-hmm. I want to add too that um, uh, I think uh, maybe a month ago or so, I, I, had, I had mentioned that, that I felt like for Zadina, um, he had to simplify. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you simplify, then good defense can can lead to offense instead of just trying to force offense all the time. And I felt yeah. like. He was doing that um, since he's come back from his injury and uh, that that he was letting the game kind of come to him a little bit more. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, that's something that Zetterland uh, has shown since the beginning of the season. And so I think I had mentioned Zadina as sort of a uh, very good bellwether player for in terms of David Quinn's impact as a coach. Like if David Quinn can turn a Zadina in, into a valid, useful top nine NHL player, then David Quinn has pretty much shown that he is a good coach and he's the right coach for, for a rebuild. Uh, mm-hmm. David Quinn turning William Mac- Willie Mecklin, I, I feel is, and we've talked about this is so driven by himself that it's, it's going to be a little hard to, to ruin a William Mecklin uh, because I think Eklund has a very, just good sense of what works, what wins, that sort of thing, right? And so, even if 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 Eklund isn't perfect in all the details right now, like he he, you don't need to tell him twice, twice, kind of. You know, he's he's that he's that kind of guy, and you can put him in a not great environment, and he will he has the, I think the mental kind of stoicism or whatever to rise above mm. it. Uh, I think Zadina obviously has bounced around the last five years in Detroit. He's uh, lacks he doesn't always have the confidence right and that's been discussed a lot that he's a guy that is really hard on, on himself doesn't have uh that isn't always uh, uh the most confident and maybe a little bit too much of his identity has been tied into his goal scoring and his production and sure. so he's a guy that maybe has to like accept the fact that hey maybe he's not going to be a 30 goal guy and that's okay he can still be a really useful productive NHL player. And so Zadina tops out as let's say a 20 ish goal guy, but he's also an incredible four checker and back checker. And he has the physical ability to do it. He skates well, good four way mobility. He's underrated strong. He also has desire too. you know, he's a guy that does, he's not one of those, how do you say it? Like 
soft, just wants to score kind of guys. Uh, you know, he really does want to win and be better. And so if he can change his game a little bit and change his mental approach, which I think he has done in the last month, and turn into a, uh, a more complete angel player, even if his uh, his production or his ceiling is lower than initially projected when he was drafted mm-hmm. in 2018, uh, then, uh, yeah, then, then, then he's going to have a long angel career. And again, that's a good example of, of what a coaching staff can can do to help to help mm-hmm. bring a guy along, not just uh, uh, Quinn, but also his assistants. I know Scott Gordon uh, works with Zadina a lot and other assistant coaches, too. And so, yeah. And so I think it's a it's a it's a good it's a good test. And uh, hope it looks like Zadina might be turning in the corner. So, yeah, he's had a good stretch here. But I know he's also had flashes in Detroit, too. So I don't want to. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say he's, you yeah. know, he's there yet, but yeah, he's, he's been, he's been, he's been really good the last 10 games or so. Just really hope the, the flashes turn into a more consistent baseline of a top nine. Forward. Exactly. That's what you're, that's, that's what you're hoping, right? Right. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what we talk about with Eklund, right? Like the, yeah. uh, we, we felt confident about Eklund because the, the B game is, is, is there when this, when the offense isn't there or he's being shut down offensively, right? There's still mm-hmm. enough elements of his other game that it's worth keeping him in the lineup, at least in this Sharks lineup, that is obviously not the deepest, right? Mm-hmm. But when Zadina is forcing it and turning it over and stuff like that, and and then he's letting it affect his the other parts of his game, then that's when a guy gets sat, right? And so if he has a good B game, yeah, then that'll give a chance for the A game to take over at times. Yeah, so Zadina's kind of a a little bit of a diamond in the rough for this this past week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, Ferraro had an amazing game that um, Quinn praised about because he had three assists against um, Vancouver. Up and down game, but... <laughs> Up and down in terms of impact. Eric Carlson-esque, if you will. Yeah, actually, in a, in a, in a weird way. And, I mean, that was a really mm-hmm. great... I want to highlight a really great read he made on the mm-hmm. Zetterling goal uh, yesterday against Vancouver. Willie Mecklen falls down, and Ferraro just, I'm going to go. And Ferraro also has confidence, trust that Eklund knows when he gets up that he's got to help cover or you know, somebody's going to cover for him. Yeah. And so it makes a great decision because if Ferraro it plays too cautious there, then there's no, nobody gets the puck. And, and that chance just dies when Eklund falls in the defensive zone. Yeah, uh, I can hear the uh, comments and the headlines now. Uh, Keegan thinks... Mario Ferraro is is, uh, Eric Carlson. It's going to (laughs) be great. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Duclair was healthy scratched at some point this week or or last week. No, it was last week. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, he came back and had a goal two games ago and assist yesterday's game. So maybe a little bit of a bounce back from Duclair. Yeah, for sure. He's I think he's bounced back pretty well. Uh, He's done a a good job of. one of the things that Quinn was critical about and why he got scratched was that just that Declare he felt wasn't skating enough in all three mm-hmm. zones, you know, which obviously is usually a suggestion that a guy's not skating that hard defensively or in the neutral zone. Usually people skate hard offense, but actually uh, Declare wasn't even wasn't skating hard on the offensive zone too. That's why he was offside on that Grandland uh, mm-hmm. goal against Arizona uh, a, a week last ago. week. Yeah. Um, so. So yeah, so so we have definitely seen more of that, more 200 foot of skating. We've seen uh, the production kind of follow. Granlin's still playing at a pretty high level, mm-hmm. and uh, that's helped. And uh, Declare has, I think, what a goal and a and an assist. So last last couple games here, we have a 
I'm not going to call it a good top six. We have a top six that's able to score goals, which makes me happy. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not like the the dark ages of the first three weeks of the seasons where you could, like, pray that you're going to get one goal a game. It's like now we're actually getting in some consistent yeah. two, three, four goal efforts, which is good. Um, there have been, like, little stretches last week where they were bad again. But, you know, so there's at least flashes, I think. And yeah, Eklund's it's, it's, great it's as okay. always. <laughs> Eklund's still it's, it's great it's as okay. always. We have the Jacob McDonald hype train still going on. Jacob McDonald has um, as many goals as Eric Carlson. <laughs> bam. See? Six. <laughs> and uh, before Timo Meyer, I think, had two goals in the last game. Zetterland had more goals than Timo. So. Yeah, well, Zetterland uh, scored yesterday. So, yeah, so I'm not oh, sure maybe. Where, where that where that tracker is. Yeah, yeah I, should, I, should, I should do a, a graphic with uh, Timo's head and Fabian's head and Eric's head and Jacob's head. So. Yeah, you're going to get a... Um, a ton of hate for all of that, but it's going to be good. <laughs> um, uh, actually, so. Fabian is still still ahead. Uh, Timo's Ooh. at eight goals right now. So Fabian's got nine, right? So um, one of the funny things about McDonald is, of course, he did score some of these goals as a forward too. So it does mm-hmm. definitely skew the stats a little bit. But when you look at uh, NHL.com and you filter out defensemen and look at the goals, right? And guys will have six or more goals right now. I think the leader is who's got maybe 10, right? Is that Hughes probably with 10 or somebody? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know who, 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 that, who leads right now, but somebody, somebody's got 10. But a funny thing is like, when you look at the goal, the guys with six goals or above, and you look at just their minutes, right? Everybody's <laughs> in the 20 minute mark, except for yeah. this one guy, Jacob McDonald, who also impressively has done six goals in 17 games is actually pretty crazy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and and not, you know, not, yeah, not that I expect him to keep it up, but like that's actually, yeah, it's uh, Quinn Hughes with 10. But uh, <laughs> all the guys who are six or above, you just look at their minutes, they're all in the 20s, 20s, 20s. Um, the exceptions are guys like Thomas Harley has nine goals. He's well, He plays 18 minutes a night. But then you yeah. get to uh, number 13 on the NHL.com uh, list, and Jacob McDonald, 11.54 a night. 11 minutes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's like, yeah, that's below most third liners in general. And everybody's in the, in the high 20s or 30s mm-hmm. uh, in games played, except for Jacob McDonald, who has six goals in 17 games. So. You know what? <laughs> do what you do well. Although I guess he's still telling me that was at forward, so I don't know how much it Well, it's weird because, him. yeah, like yesterday's goal against Vancouver, he actually switched up on defense. If you if mm-hmm. you watch that, he was he was a defenseman on that play. It was Ruda <laughs> and, and McDonald back there. And so that's one of the fun things about, about what he's doing, that literally you don't know what position he, he's playing uh, at any, <laughs> on any given shift. You really need to, you need to watch it to, to know. And yeah. so I would say, like, his six goals, some of them have been on the power play, too, where he does play basically def- i mean power play is so somewhat positionless but he does play quarterback which is a defenseman's position he plays back and so um so let's see actually yeah, it does i can see really quickly he has three power play goals um and so that one yesterday score two uh was five on five so uh i think four at least four of these six goals he he was he was i would consider him playing defense <laughs> love it he's the eric carlson we needed um all along well, Eric Carlson at what? Uh, uh, fourteen times less money. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah, and so I can't argue uh, with the value there. So four less years on the contract. Too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, any updates on the Couture and Sturm um, injuries? 
Yeah, Qatar uh, just con- continues to seem like he's working, he's progressing. He joined Morning Skate for the first time. Then he followed that by joining practice for the first time. Uh, David Quinn said that the next step, though, is for him to be like a full, full participant in practice. Like he has been there for practice and he's been part of drills, but he hasn't done everything. He hasn't done all the contact stuff. So they're kind of withholding him from some of that stuff, right? So and so he does that. That's kind of the next big step uh for uh for mm-hmm. logan uh, he didn't travel to vancouver i actually thought he might not that he would play in vancouver but just to be part of the kind of the camaraderie all that kind of stuff right that sure. the team uh, uh road trip which he hasn't done too much this year um but anyway though so he did not take part in that and so we'll have to wait till after the holidays and see if he's a full participant in practice actually uh, i wonder mm-hmm. if he's going to be in la the sharks first game after the holiday break is in la on the 27th so i wonder if we'll see logan there uh, might be uh i don't know if he's close i don't there's no timeline on him yet um so i would caution uh, in terms of saying that, that he's going to be back by x date or very soon yeah. but he's progressing and i think that's the important thing uh he's trending um, kind of upward he gets a couple holiday cookies and holiday cheer in him and then he'll be back and good to go. I think it was, I mean, it's good that he's spending time with his family and everything too. And yeah, uh, if I were to guess though, I don't think we see him until January. I do think he's progressing okay. and we will see him soon. Uh, but I would guess, but it's, that's, that's just a guess. Of course. Um, Sturm, uh, we don't, we don't have a timeline on him, but, uh, he talked with, uh, the Mercury news and he, he revealed that he's actually been dealing with this issue. Mm-hmm. It was something in the right hand or wrist, which is exactly what, uh, what we speculated just based on, uh, yep. what we had seen and heard and all that stuff. Right. And anyway, um, so it is a, a right hand or wrist issue. He had a procedure done there. Apparently, it's something that he's been dealing with for a year or so, but just sort of the pain, the inflammation, he said, was just too great this time around. And so they just wanted to 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 deal with it. Um, and so there's no timeline uh, for exactly when he will be done. It's not a it's not a finger precisely like Bear Bonoff. There was a sense of when he'll be back, and he came back at in, within the timeline that was given. Uh, yeah. So there's no timeline for uh, for uh, for Sturm. Um, and so yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see uh, if we will ever get to see the Sharks sort of four centermen that they mm-hmm. hope to start the season with. In uh, in uh, Couture, Hurdle, Granlin, and Sturm, because as we've seen with what Granlin and Hurdle have done this year, um, having a good centerman really does it makes the wingers uh, it does make the wingers better, and so it's unfortunate that again, not that this would be a playoff team or whatever, but that that uh, never got to kind of see see that because I think we would have seen a better Sharks team if uh, their especially their centerman had been healthy, but. We would be so far not in last place in the tankathon standings. Probably. Not so and far. Like I said, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. But there'd be there'd be a couple periods, a couple games close. there where you would see the difference. Yeah. So we're getting close. Uh, Chicago is coming for it. Anaheim's coming for it. Columbus. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Teams are really gunning for this. You know. Yeah, but it'd be like four more points. So the Sharks might yeah, have two more wins. <laughs> so they'd be they'd be very much in the race for for uh, the best uh, lottery <laughs> but, odds. Yeah. Um. It, as we are all going to watch the Macklin Celebrini this week um, at the World Juniors, just keep in mind again, you'll feel better and happier in your life if you just accept the fact that Colo- or Chicago is going to win the lottery and that that's what's going to happen. I don't accept so things just, like that. I think things are, are so like, uh, I nope, don't think it's the already NHL... <laughs> <laughs> Not Why because the NHL is rigging it. To send players it's not because they're rigging it. In Pittsburgh. 
that, that, yeah, that's why it's I don't not, get yeah so yeah it's it, not because they're rigging it it's just because the world is yeah. unfair there's no um okay. it's not it's, it's just a the life is meaningless world is unfair. well yeah then, then what will happen is that uh the penguins drop out of the playoffs they're in the top 10 they win the lottery the sharks don't get the pick because that picks top 10 yep. protected and so yep. they come in the next year with Sydney, uh, with an angry Sidney Crosby, uh, an angry Eric Carlson, and Macklin Celebrini. So yeah, they have like that amazing center depths. Yeah, that's the one. You're right, Shaggy. You've just created a new nightmare scenario for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, anyway, no, it'll be fine. Um, let's talk a little bit about the World Juniors. We are going to have a lot of. Uh, you're going to listen to a lot of uh, discussion with Stephen Ellis. So yep. um, we'll keep it a, a little bit brief in this this part, but. Um, I'm super pumped. It's it's going to be a um, amazing tournament. We've uh, heard from Chris Morehouse this week on just the progression of the Sharks prospects, the six prospects that are there, and that's Will Smith, Eric Polkamp, Jake Furlong, Phil Bistet, Matthias Havilland, uh, and Casper Halton. And um, what what uh, what surprised you about that interview, if anything, Shang? Um, that with Chris. I don't well, surprise I wouldn't say anything surprised me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you were you were bang on on sort of why Furlong and Polkamp are there, and uh, Morehouse basically uh, said some of the same things. You know, Polkamp's got a great shot, so there's mm-hmm. some power play value, but he's also is a scrappy defender. Uh, Furlong mm-hmm. is sort of that fit guy that can fit with a more offensive guy, or he can be uh, uh, also a, he can be a, the puck mover. If you, if you put him mm-hmm. with a shutdown guy, you know, he just had sort of a, a, a Jack of all trades defenseman for this uh, a team Canada team. Uh, Halton and obviously is got, you know, got that shot that can, that can murder you. Uh, but yep. yeah, there are things that other parts of his game that he's working on that uh, they seem happy with his progress in, in, uh, in London. Um, so yeah, I don't know if there's anything so much surprising. Um, I think it's just uh, 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 interesting uh, uh, to to always hear from uh, what the what what the sharks you know Morehouse's sharks uh, director of amateur scouting, and so to kind of hear his his perspective and how mm-hmm. he's seeing things. Um, um, and yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah, so one thing one thing I think I will say that was I guess maybe a little different is that he did really. Um, he did really make a note of sort of uh, Will Smith's drive and mm-hmm. Will Smith sort of um, um, maybe not, maybe not leadership is the exact word, but just sort of that, that drive to, to succeed and be the best. Passion, and that's maybe. something that, yeah, yeah. It's, that's something that, that they felt was, was really clear when they, when they interviewed him. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the kind of thing that like, when you talk about Will Smith, right, a lot of the discussion is about his on the ice skill, also his sure. on the ice sort of flaws, right? Like being a smaller guy, maybe not being uh, the best defensively at all times, right? So it's always mm-hmm. centered around his on the ice, right? And so there's not a lot of uh, uh, chatter about just sort of his off the ice. And sure. uh, that sounds like a big reason why the Sharks drafted him that, you know, they believe that he's a guy that. Uh, whatever he is at now, he's driven to succeed. And so that means that he will work on the things that he's not so strong at, and he'll continue to uh, excel uh, at the things that he already is good at. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, I remember that mention or thinking that when we, we interviewed him at the draft, actually, just that he does have a little bit of, um, I guess, competitive fire. He seems very intense when he answers questions mm-hmm. about competitiveness and, and the game itself. So I do remember thinking that when I was talking with them. 
Uh, yeah, I wonder, wonder like, uh, I, I, I think uh, I'll, I'll ask him something like this one day, giving something away. But like, I wonder mm. if he has sort of a chip on his shoulder being like being the rich kid, you know, which which he, mm. he is, to be to be honest. Right. But sometimes that gives sure. you a chip on the shoulder that people doubt you because of this or that. Or they think maybe you're less hungry. Um, maybe, and yeah. um, I don't know. And he's probably I, been I, the so best. Interesting. And he's been the best part of his age group for me for Team USA for like many years, because mm -hmm. even before he had that breakout um USHL season uh, or USNTDP season. He was um he was still like one of the better players the year before that, and he's been kind of in these international tournaments discussions. So you're right, maybe he's just got a little bit of a I'm the rich kid. I've been good for many years, kind of chip on his shoulder, kind of thing. But like um, like I think maybe he's been doubted in some ways because maybe maybe like yeah. I don't know. People... I also no, I don't actually know how. <laughs> like I want to make it clear, we I don't think I, I mean, unless you do. Have any idea how actual like wealthy his family is? Well, or, I don't know. I, I, I don't know about the amount of <laughs> but, dollars, but like if, yeah, if, sure. if you're the grandson of Charles Comiskey, owner of the the White Sox, I mean, yeah. and there are buildings, you know, you know yeah. So yeah. we don't. We, so I don't know. Yeah. So I, I, so that's that's sort of a leap on my part. I, I'll, sure. I'll admit, but yeah. um, I, I, I do think though that that there are you know sort of doubts and aspersions cast on him again. Size also, right? And mm. stuff like that, and also like, uh, two-way yeah. game questions, right? And so, yeah. So I wonder how how he will respond on a on a big stage, uh, mm -hmm. uh, like uh, like like this one, um, just like he, he um, responded at the U18s, of course, right? So. Oh yeah, um, and and his first or his first two games that I've seen of him, and this is all pre-tournament stuff, but they're actually pretty competitive games. Like they, mm -hmm. um, all the teams that are that are playing are you know. I mean, they are really the full teams, lineup. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so the full teams are they're trying to to really see who's going to be their leaders and such. Um, he was excellent. Like he was really mm -hmm. good. He um, his first game, he had two goals. He looked sluggish in the first period, but then mm -hmm. like came on um, constantly, just stealing pucks, rushing the other way, mm -hmm. um, creating chances. So I think there is some element of his two way game that is built around like quick hitting offense like stealing the puck and going the other way with it mm -hmm. um which can lead or, or can lead to him looking a little bit like high up in the zone kind of floating a little bit because he's mm -hmm. just kind of waiting for the defender to make a mistake to try and go the other way with it um that um is a little i'll call it like junior-esque but maybe a little junior-esque you know it's like that kind of play defenders aren't going to make mistakes at the blue line like they do in the like at the nhl level mm -hmm. so but right now it's you know it's kind of how he drives a lot of his offense and there is value in that defensively and offensively obviously sure. um, absolutely yeah if you could this, yeah. yeah yeah if you could turn a guy over high in the zone i mean that's counterattack yeah. city right there so but that's kind of like his mo right now at least is um that kind of play at evens um and then obviously just creative skill he he's um, entering the zone very well I, I think he does better at bigger ice, which is kind of, you know, I think Stephen Ellis also mentioned this is that he, his game like, like does really well when he has a lot of room. So mm -hmm. he's going to need to work on getting enforcing that room at the NHL level, but it's exciting to see his second game. Um, I think he had one assist, but it was a beauty of an assist. Um, uh, and uh, he looked good. It just wasn't as like dominant as the first game that I watched him play. Sure. But he's still going to be in the top six and likely in the top six and one of the driving forces because their line is just so good. It's like I, I really wish the Sharks had somehow draft all three dudes and then they could just create that line. <laughs> this is Emily, my cat, in case anybody was watching on video. <laughs> um, 
But um, yeah, he, he looks great. Um, Pole camp, his second game looked really good. He was aggressive. He had one shift specifically in the offensive zone where he looked like an animal, like he was just all over the ice. Um, and they, they hemmed in um, uh, Team Canada for like a minute and a half. And he was a huge part of that. And he was um, unleashing his point shot, looking for passes. It, it looked really good. So I think he's going to have a little bit more um, value on the team than people kind of give him credit for. Mm. I think he will find himself on the power play at some point. Yeah. Um, all right, Emmy, you got to go, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to finish up about the Morehouse interview too, Morehouse also talked about um, mm -hmm. prospects who aren't at the Road Juniors like Quentin Musty, uh, Cagnoni, Cam Lunn, but also too, a little bit of update on uh, less kind of a more under the radar Sharks prospects who are having pretty good seasons or have done pretty good things uh, this season. Uh, David Klee. Uh, Brandon mm -hmm. Soboda, uh, Theo Jacobson, or Jacobson, I think it's Jacobson, and yeah. Axel Landon. And so, yeah, check uh, check out that interview. Yeah, he ruined my. Um, I was going to surprise everybody with like a little bit of Theo Jacobson um, talk later on in the in the spring because I watched a All Stars <laughs> game, and and I came away super impressed. Um, yeah, and and I think actually during the Shummers, um, like the prospect camp, actually he had one um, or a couple good plays and i remember noting that he looked good uh, better than yeah. i thought he had in the past so it's good he's had a huge offensive explosion at the all skin he's got like 20 something points and 20 something games so um interesting to see because he's kind of a not a forgotten draft pick but a couple of years ago and didn't really do too much for a few seasons there yeah so. six round pick of the 2021 draft yeah so yeah but it's interesting that uh Moros mentioned him I'm, I'm excited to see if they try and get him to come over to north america soon yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Or maybe give him a year in the yeah. in the in the in the, SHL uh, or... the the regular. Yeah, yeah, and then see mm -hmm. if he can kind of that translate uh, that production translates over there. So, yeah, but he looks good. Um, who else? Uh, Havilid had kind of a um, up and down game against Team USA. He had a few things where he was out of position. Um, but the first game I watched of Havilid, he looked great. He again huge point shot, good puck mover. Kind of similar to pole camp, to be honest, but I think um, a little less aggressive in the way that mm -hmm. he defends and everything. Um, he, um, him and Beastad, Beastad's looked excellent as well. He um, has he, okay, yeah, he looked. He's had a goal. Um, I think he had an assist the first game, goal in the second game that I watched, and um, yeah, <laughs> it looks like you're wearing a there. scarf there. Yeah, Emily, um, <laughs> she likes to just, she walks on her shoulders. So around yeah, the house, yeah. she'll just demand to be picked up and put on her shoulders and walks around with us. So <laughs> this is where she sits. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Beastets looked excellent. He does need to pick up the physicality a little bit, I think. He's a huge guy on the ice, like tall, um, still kind of lanky looking. But he could really, um, if you tried or kind of turned it up a little bit. He could really hit some folks and steal some bucks, but he yeah, kind of yeah. lets up a little bit. And, and I feel like his physicality needs to ramp up to be able to really use his frame effectively. Like mm -hmm. he's good at shielding pucks and all that, but he just needs to hit folks. Like I don't, I don't want to say it like too bluntly, but he just needs to hit some people. Like he could definitely do it. He's got a great like feel of, of knowing where the puck's going to be. So he's always in close contact with the uh, like defenders. Uh, or attackers, but he just doesn't hit folks. He just needs to hit somebody. Um, that's my that's my current analysis. And then um, <laughs> Halton and I've only watched the the one game of which I thought he looked excellent. Mm -hmm. um, he um, 
had to get two assists in that game, both of which were really good cross-ice passes, and he was very aggressive. So super pumped for all the Sharks prospects um, coming out. So, And we'll have some analysis. I'm going to actually hopefully put out some articles on San Jose Hockey now um, about uh, some of the games. So. Because I've been All doing right. little little Twitter threads, basically, if you've been checking out my Twitter on, yep. on some of my thoughts. But um, I think it's time for some more formal analysis. Yeah, well, we'll check with the editor. Yeah, got to got to clear it with the editor. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, Shang, um, let's go with our final Sharks Christmas wish list um, before the interview. And then we can yes. get on out of here. Um, do you have a specific what do you want for Christmas from the Sharks? For the upcoming uh, year, yep. Uh, I think uh, the two things in particular is uh, I. The, I think the obvious thing is that I am hoping that young players continue to emerge, uh, just because as somebody who has watched this um, rebuild, half start, not really start for a couple of years there, and just w- I, I really like watching good hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how how uh, I've said it so many times, and I I, I can't stress it enough. Um, uh, my work is better. I think the best work I've done as a writer uh, was during the 2019 playoffs uh, when I was still writing for Fear to Finn and mm-hmm. uh, went to every Sharks playoff game, even the road ones, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, paid my way uh, for those. By the way, that wasn't SB Nation, but I just wanted to give the best coverage, and it was really important. And I was trying to make my name, uh, but sure. I think the, the best work I did was was still probably in that year, um, in that playoff year. Um, so. I like Will Smith. I I, I raise my level <laughs> when uh, when the stakes are higher. Um, and I've been waiting for years for 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 the Sharks to to uh, sort of um, uh, be interesting again, so people care about uh, uh, breakdowns like tape breakdowns, or they care about the sport logic stats that uh, that I. I pay a healthy sum amount for every year, but they they're not that relevant because the team is terrible and people don't care about micro stats when you're being clocked, uh, you know, giving up 10 goals in back-to-back games and, and all that kind of stuff. Right. People don't yeah. care about the micro stats because you, you suck. The, the counting stats say you suck. The, <laughs> yeah. the natural, the natural stat trick, the, 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 the first wave of analytics, public analytics say that you sucked and the micro stats will say the same thing too, that you sucked. Um, <laughs> and so there's no, no, no interest in that. And so for me, uh, and I, even for the health of the website too, it's, uh, it's good if there's hope, if people really sure. think that, uh, I think so at least that, uh, that, that, that it'll be good for business if the sharks are, are better. And so to see guys like Willie Mecklin, obviously, um, really taking a step forward in the last month or so, um, I think right now, uh, he is, he's, this, this was kind of a question for Quinn in the first month of the season. And Quinn would say like, oh yeah, I thought he was better last year, which is not, of course, what you want to hear about a guy yeah. that is, you know, uh, finally uh, playing in an NHL regularly after two off and on seasons. And, but I would say right now, if we were to ask Quinn, I actually, I will ask him. I think that's a good question. Good, 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 uh. Uh, good thing to get an update in, but I would say right now, uh, Eklund looks definitively better than he did last season. There's definitely yeah. growth, and he may never be a superstar. Uh, hint, hint for a future uh, podcast episode. Uh, but uh, but uh, he is 
he he is a a a legitimate building block whether or not he's mm-hmm. going to be a franchise guy or just like a really really good player to build around both are still sharks need all like any any of that whether they be a future franchise guy or just a legit building block just a guy that you can count on for x amount of points a season and yep. good two-way play right they just need winning players right william eklund looks like he's going to be a, a winning player um also too guys like um uh, fabian zetterlin uh philip zadina if they, if they can keep coming along uh, you know, showing the, you know, just being more consistent, but they've, they both have shown, uh, a, a great degree of, uh, of, of promise, especially mm-hmm. Zetterlin, you know, let's not forget just, you know, he started off on the fourth line. Now he's playing with, uh, with Granlin and, and, and Duclair. Um, um, and then, yeah, t- uh, speaking of more of those young guys too, obviously look to the defense too. And, sure. uh, hopefully Thrun keeps regressing, uh, Hotia, guys like that. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just so we start to see more pieces of guys that we know we think are going to be part of the next good Sharks team. And Eklund looks like a guy who's going to be there. That's great to see. Zetterlin might be, Zadina might be, Thrun might be, guys like that. So hopefully we see even more of that. So maybe a, a call up, uh, in, you know, in in, in mid season, uh, one of the the Barracuda prospects shows a, another level to his game, be it a Bordalo or a Gushin or whoever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, more of that. So from from some of the names mentioned, uh, would be great. And then the second thing, which is I think a little more less obvious, is that I've, I've taken a lot of uh, pleasure this year watching guys like Hurdle and Granlin, those, those two guys especially, sure. uh, really, I guess, find their games, you know, after... Mm-hmm down years for both of them last year. And it is really great to see uh, uh, guys who want it as much as they do, who are being doubted for this and that reason, right? Uh, come back and be the guys that they're supposed to be. Uh, and so, and like we mentioned too early in the podcast, you know, they've, they've made their wingers so much better. I don't think uh, Eklund takes the leap that he's taken if he's not stapled with, with hurdle. I don't mm-hmm. think that Zetterlin or even Duclair's recent uh, sort of resurgence, right? None of that, or that's not as likely to happen for sure. If Granlin's not popping in a point per game, and yeah, making plays all over the ice. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really, I really enjoyed watching those two guys in particular, just keep playing at an outstanding level. Um, the level that, um, that the sharks believe that they could get back to that you and I thought that they could get back to too. And so it's nice to, nice to see that, that even if the team is losing that, that there's some good hockey, you know, being played out there by a couple of the guys at least. <laughs> at least, yeah, like some of the, some of it's rising to the so, top. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, so I hope I hope to keep seeing seeing that in particular from those guys and uh, and Couture when he comes back. Love it. All right, I'm gonna put on the ridiculous hat because it looks ridiculous while I have headphones. <laughs> hey, uh, what happened? What happened to your scarf? <laughs> oh, I do need a. I need a. Yeah, my scarf has walked off. Uh, my neck is very cold, and scarf has legs. All right, there we go. Um, I have two Christmas presents I want for the Sharks okay. in the uh, the new year. First one is I want um, an exciting trade deadline and um, for the Sharks specifically. It could be, you know, I don't really care if, you know, Detroit gets somebody crazy, whatever, whatever. But I want 
something unexpected. I don't just want to walk into the trade deadline going, oh, great, we got a third and a fifth round pick for some expiring UFAs. Yeah, sure, and that was sure, it. Sure. I want something. I either that I don't I don't want a specific guy to be gone, but I want something mm-hmm. unexpected either returning um, okay. as in like maybe a young player, somebody that, that the Sharks are targeting that um, sure. they're bringing in to try and see if they can get some value out of. Um, kind of like how they've done with, you know, ever since Greer's come in, actually, just finding a the guy that's maybe... It's for a pick for Alexis Lafreniere. No, just... <laughs> yes, there we go. That's the one. <laughs> no, something unexpected. Or I want like a first-round pick or some sort of prospect return for a guy that we're trading that I'm just yeah. super excited about. So that's one present. Um, the second one kind of similar to yours, where I want the... Um, I want the Barracuda call-ups to happen, and that'll probably be after the trade deadline, obviously, for, for specific guys. Um, obviously, I still love Gushin and, and Bordalo. I think they had, they had you know, a call-up already, so I'm not going to say that I would need them to be called up to be happy. Right. Um, but I think guys like, and this seems a little bit rushed, but Shakir Mugamadoulin has played very well for the Barracuda this year, and... They don't want to rush his development. I get that. I just want a he's little. He's getting taste. better too, right? Yes, he's come on yeah, even more. That's, I think he's, the most he's, important thing. Exactly, he's, he's improving as he's um, adjusting um, to North America, and he. Um, I think he just needs a couple games. I want to see what he's at like at the NHL level and see if what we've seen in the preseason and then in the AHL is actually going to be translatable at all. And I want a call up for um, two more guys. Uh, being being uh, greedy. Uh, Leon Gavanka, just because he's uh, leading the Barracuda in um, points by D-man, and he hasn't played an NHL game, and he's 25. I want, I just want an NHL game, sure. just one for for Leon Gavanka. Um, he's he's looked uh, pretty good as well. Um, he looked great last year in the AHL. I think there's a probably a translatability issue that coaches keep seeing uh, when he gets to there, but I just want one game for him. Sure. And then finally, an unexpected one. I want a call up for Ethan Cardwell. Because I think Whoa, he yeah. <laughs> he also he also kind of deserves it. He's he's improved yeah. throughout the season. He's getting um, you know it seems like points in every single game. Mm-hmm. He's a he's not a defensive liability. He's you know he's only five foot eleven, so he's not a huge guy, but he checks well. He he mm-hmm. forechecks super great. So I think he could get a call up late in the season. So okay. some that's what I want for Christmas is some late season call ups. Okay. And maybe Gushin uh, too, because why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, let me, let me ask you for your uh, trade deadline, uh, uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, I guess, drama. Here, Here's just one I thought of. This is just me messing around. Sure. So Alexis Lafreniere started off the season pretty well. Obviously, he has went into a little bit of a slump. I think he mm-hmm. went 13 games without a goal. Um, would you trade the New Jersey conditional pick? Which can be mm-hmm. a first rounder if New Jersey makes the the Eastern Conference Finals yes. uh, for Lafreniere. Yes. How about Pittsburgh's top ten protected first round pick? If it's like eleven, probably not. Well, we don't <laughs> know. We like... don't know. That's all. That's if you trade the trade deadline, you're you're just sort of you're rolling the dice, right? So you're rolling the dice that that New Jersey pick can end up anywhere from like what uh, twenty five to fifty five or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And the Pittsburgh pick though is anywhere from eleven to 30, well, I guess if they win the Stanley Cup, yeah, 32, right? So Probably not. Okay. Um, just because of where Pittsburgh is in the standings, I think it's more yeah. likely it's top 15. Um, okay. Pick. Unless, um, you know, yeah, you're kind of just uh, hoping at that point if you trade it away. And I think the Sharks need a defenseman in their their pipeline, and that kind of that pick 
is right in the range for a ton of defensemen they could get. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas the New Jersey pick, I think, you know, Lafreniere is going to probably be similar to what they're going to get in that range anyway. Um, And, you know, maybe even a little bit better, probably a little bit better than what they likely are to get in that range. So yeah, I think the the Pittsburgh pick is uh, just uh, a little bit too valuable in this draft, given how many defensemen are right around that area. So, but you know, Lafreniere is still, young so he could turn yeah. around but the sharks yeah. do have a lot I'm of spice, winger, spice, spice winger projects <laughs> do have a lot of winger projects so it's not like that's specifically their their need either um so yes that would be a spicy trade deadline i'd love it i'd get my christmas wish <laughs> all right do you have anything else to say before we go on uh to the Stephen ellis world Junior championship interview uh just uh thank you to everybody who has listened um over the last year oh i wanted to announce some uh, exciting news too that uh we're bringing on uh, uh one of my writers that you know josh fragellin uh but we're also bringing him along to help on the podcast a, a little bit and so you'll 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 start seeing a little more you know we're able to, he was able to help us get some video clips up uh that sort of thing right not that we can't do that just that the time it's tough for us and so josh is going to help with a little bit of that stuff you know maybe we'll we'll have him on sometime you know we need a we need we need a, a a guy in the studio that that we can make fun of a young guy right that's sort of uh, that's, it's at the that's the um that's, <laughs> that's the a radio dynamic like yeah Dang. yeah podcast radio dynamic so <laughs> fair that'll be awesome anyway though Sean. yeah so anyways happy holidays to everybody and thank you so much uh, for your support over the year and we'll see you in the new year all right happy holidays merry christmas whatever you guys say um we will see you soon bye Today, we're welcoming Stephen Ellis to the show from Daily Faceoff. Stephen's going to be talking all about the World Junior Championships this year uh, and how that pertains to the Sharks prospects. So welcome, Stephen, to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Great. So we should just jump right into it because we have a few um, Sharks prospects to talk about, which is good news for a team that uh, is trying to build up their prospect pool. Um, So uh, just some uh, general thoughts about the tournament before we get into um, uh, the Sharks. Yeah, it's kind of like you look at how the season started this year, and I think a lot of people kind of turned the focus to the World Juniors and, and things like that. And uh, mm-hmm. to have, I believe, six prospects for the Sharks represented, that's a big deal. That's a good thing. That's a good sign of the future. And, you know, whether these guys all make it, whether they're trade candidates, whatever, I don't think it really matters. I think the good thing is, you know, we've got players in Canada, USA, Sweden, and Finland. So, every day you're going to have at least one guy to watch. I think that's going to be exciting for, for Sharks fans. Other than the fact that, again, if you live close to San Jose, uh, maybe those 3 a.m. start times might not be super <laughs> ideal for some of those games. But uh, not great. Uh, it's, if, if you're able to stay to, to wake up for those, it's going to be worth it. I think. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit rough. <laughs> just a touch. Um, let's start with Team USA, um, just because that was kind of um, given that uh, Will Smith made the team and that's the, the Sharks you know, prize prospects as of now. Um, let's start with with Will Smith. Um, he had the like gold medal winning goal at the U18s last year. He um, has been kind of doing well in in his uh, first foray into college hockey. Uh, he's above a point a game. He's part of that like dominant freshman line. But how do you think his game is going to adjust to this U20 tournament after his U18 play? I think this is going to be, you know, a walk in the park for him. We saw him with the U18s and that chemistry he obviously had all year long with Ryan Leonard and and Gabe Perot. And that combination has 
continued into college, which is really exciting to see. And a lot of Boston based guys uh, in this, <laughs> this tournament for the United States, but with, with Smith, it's just, he could play anywhere in this lineup. He could be, you know, the first line center. He could be the second line center. My guess is his line will be the second line. And that's mm-hmm. one hell of a second line when you're looking at one of the most dominant trios in college hockey. Um, so every time the United States seem to play uh, and Will Smith's there, he, he starts to shine. We saw that at the U18s, the best hockey I've ever seen him play. Uh, just just the chemistry he had with those team linemates were great, but he was the one driving those plays. And, you know, talking to some scouts, some think that he'd be, you know, the second best prospect in this year's draft. And uh, it was a pretty stacked top end last year. But when it comes to Smith, the way he plays the game, I know he, he knows how to use that extra ice to his advantage. Mm-hmm. We've seen that already um, in his international career. And he's the good thing about the Americans is they do have a lot of experience playing on the bigger ice. If you play on the development team, because usually that means you've played about two to three tournaments already uh, with that extra ice. And so I don't think it'll take him long to adjust to that. Um, he's going to be one of the best players in this tournament. No question about it. Uh, guys, uh, if you guys uh, uh, don't know, Steven is the prospects analyst for a uh, daily faceoff. His work is incredible. So make sure to go uh, check it out. He touches on a lot of prospects. A follow of his, his, uh, his work. It's a, his, uh, his reach is a very wide encompassing. Uh, mm-hmm. But my, my question to Steven about uh, Will is uh, just uh, basically uh, what is, what do you see his ceiling as? I think uh there's some questions about how he's adjusted to college hockey, uh, maybe some period, some games where he hasn't been uh, quite as uh, dominant. So just what are you seeing uh, for him so far in the NCAA? I think the biggest concern with me back when he was in junior still applies here where he will have these off games. And a good example was the the top prospect showcase they had uh, in Plymouth last year. And he, they, they kept that same line together and we saw them so dominant, but with, when it, when it came to how um, Smith played the first half, he was dead quiet, didn't do anything, kind of started to float around. Mm-hmm. And it was like he heard everyone in the crowd saying, what's going on? What's happening here? Because then he ends up winning like the MVP of the game because he played <laughs> outstanding in that second half. So for me, it's you know getting that game-to-game consistency could be tough. I think the issue with him is he – with anybody on that U18 team last year, they just floated to wins. I think only had like a handful of losses all year long. So there weren't a lot of games where the Americans really had to get a lot more outside of just, you know, offense out of that top line. And you can see Smith maybe not always attacking like he should and things like that. But when he's on his game, it's a guy with first line potential in the NHL. Yeah, and that's kind of what people have seen in college too. Is that occasionally his his game won't be uh, he'll look kind of like disengaged or his like compete isn't as high. And I guess that that comes back to not having to come from behind a lot as he was a junior. So um, yeah, I guess it'll be interesting to see when he's in the this kind of tournament where it's a little bit you know closer in terms of skill level between all the teams. Uh, how he's going to play but it's actually a higher level right because if if steven is right he's on his second line that's actually a kind of a rare thing for him right because he's usually a first line guy (laughs) yeah and like he'll be playing on the power play he'll get all those opportunities it's like the only reason why he's not the top line is they want to keep those guys together and you're competing Mm -hmm. against like cutter gochier who is like an unbelievable beast in his own end so uh yeah i'd say second line probably one of the best second line centers you can get in this tournament all right, I gotta bring this uh, dredges back up. Uh, Smith or Michkov? <laughs> oh, I'm Michkov all the way. Okay, all the way. <laughs> and, and nothing to do with Smith. I just think Michkov's the real deal. And yeah. I can't believe, you know, obviously he wasn't going number one. Number two, I think Fantilli should have gone. You know, 
Mitch Koff shouldn't have gone past number three. Okay, sorry guys for bringing this uh, back up. Uh, those bad memories from uh, from June, but just had to get mm -hmm. Steven on the oh, record you're, you're, for that. You know, so. San Jose is not the only fan base that wishes uh, they got yeah. uh, got Mitch Koff, but we'll be hearing about this for a decade. The next or more. Uh, half decade, decade, <laughs> especially uh, when you basically. look at you know some of the center depth options that uh, mm -hmm. the the Sharks are going to have down the line. It's like, well, okay, it would have been nice to have a guy who can also play pretty good wing hockey, but mm -hmm. it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, at least it wasn't like. You know, Reinbacher over Mitch Koff or anything like that. Right. Well, Riven Reinhardt. <laughs> I, I do love Reinbacher. I love him. Just but like, um, that's not who Montreal should have picked. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about um, another guy from from the Sharks here on Team USA, uh, Eric Polkamp. And and I watched Eric Polkamp during the uh, summer showcase, and he kind of stood out like in a good way. And a lot of people kind of started to say, is this guy going to make the team given there's a little bit of lack of uh, defensive depth for the Team USA? Um, where do you think he slots in this defensive group? I think he's going to be, you know, third pairing at best. But the mm -hmm. thing about him was, yeah, watching that World Junior Summer Showcase, I thought he was one of the best players they had there. And granted, you know, they split the two teams up, so a bit more opportunity for a guy like him to show up. And like Lane Hudson didn't play every game, mm -hmm. but you just look at his record with USA Hockey last year at the World Junior A Challenge was one of the best players in that tournament. He scored over a goal per game when USA won gold. You know his college team doesn't get a lot of high-end prospects out there and for him to play as well as he's been doing this year and then obviously what he was able to do with cedar rapids last year this is a guy that's playing with confidence in the last you know 18 months of his career i i think that this is someone that's going to turn a lot of heads so someone who was not definitely very far from being a lock on this team had to fight his way through not a not a tall and stature guy but he does play a bit of physical game um likes to put some power into his shot and things like that so i think that he's a guy that if you could throw him on the power play in a pinch if you need to there's a lot of guys you could do on the on the on the u.s team here but i think his flexibility in his both of his zones there is very important so I, i'd say i think the defensive depth this year in the american roster was a bit better than some might give it credit for heading into camp so he had to really fight his way through but just based off of how he played in that uh in the summer showcase, I think that put him much higher than some other guys there. Yeah, well, Polkamp, for... uh, he goes to uh, Bemidji uh, State. Uh, so quick, uh, quick uh, uh, pop quiz to Stephen. Is Bemidji State the best college name uh, out there? <laughs> See, I'm glad you said it out loud because I, was, <laughs> I didn't want to have to pronounce Bemidji State. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Bemidji State. I could be wrong. If if it's mm. not, they should change it to that because it sounds way cooler. So. I, you know, I'll point out he's the only NHL prospect on that team, and you could tell some nights but he's out there performing better than a lot of those guys I got. I guess for fans who are unfamiliar with this game, what does he what does he bring specifically? Um, I think people have talked about his shot a lot. Do you think that's kind of like what he brings is a, a good point shot and some compete? There's a lot of power behind his the way he shoots, the way he, he hits. Um, he's, you know, he on the power play watching him, he's really patient with the puck. He knows when to shoot it, not just trying to move the puck for the sake of moving it. So it's smart decision-making there too. Uh, and I think, you know, he's also a decent skater. Uh, so there's that. So uh, I think if you had to put like one phrase to describe him, it's high impact, just like from a velocity standpoint, like hits, mm -hmm. shots, mm. It, it's not, they're not weak. I like it. <laughs> it sounds like a, a perfect uh, college hockey player. Uh, Do you think now. some of those skills translate to NHL or it's too early to say? I still say a little too early to say, you know, going out there and and putting up as good of a season in, in the USHL is one thing. Uh, and then, you know, college, yeah, it, he's not playing against the, the strongest competition every night. But I think this is an opportunity to really show what type of value he is. I don't think he's more than a third pair of defenseman in the NHL, but 
you know, if you get that out of a fifth round pick, I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah fifth yeah. round overager for sure. Yeah. And by the way, it's a uh, Bemidji state beavers. So that just makes it even ah, good name, yeah. that's a good name. <laughs> I love it. Brad hunt. A uh, alum famous alum. <laughs> we'll, we'll mention one more prospect for team USA. Uh, Quentin musty. Are you familiar with Quentin musty at all? <laughs> I've, I've probably seen him in the, in live maybe 20 to 30 times i'd say yes. so maybe a little <laughs> <laughs> so so you've seen him a lot um and he's having a phenomenal year in the ohl he's when he's not slew footing people when he's not slew footing he's almost above two points a game or or he, he might actually be above up two points a game now um why do you think he was left off this roster it's been kind of a uh sticking point for the sharks fans yeah, and it's not even a slight against him. I think you just look at the team, and one of the best junior hockey goal scorers right now in the world is is Cole Eiserman, and he wasn't even invited to camp either. So this is a group that had a lot of offensive options. I don't think he was going to play in the top six, top, you know, the, the third line, a lot of speed, some guys that could maybe be a little quicker, do a bit more, where Musty, I think, hit, if he was there, it's for, you know, the offensive production he's able to bring. Um I just think it was just kind of a thing of just too many options to choose from. This is a group that has as much scoring depth as we've seen for the United States. Um, it's too bad. I would have liked to see him at this uh, this event, but I, I don't think unless you're putting him as the 13 forward, and that might be Oliver Moore, and his whole thing is the hardest, fastest working guy you've ever seen. I just don't think he would have been able to outbeat him there. So uh, obviously, you know, there's a bit of bias towards the, um, the uh, major junior guys. Uh, yeah. I think you can't deny that when Hunter Brustevich is the Canucks prospect is one of the highest scoring, you know, defensemen in the CHL and he wasn't invited to camp either. Um, but I will point out, do you guys know much about the third goalie for the Americans, Sam Hildebrandt? Isn't that the, uh, isn't he kind of, I remember reading a headline that it was an interesting story about him, but I don't know specifically. So I wrote a story this week about how he was it's playing, probably your headline. <laughs> uh, he was playing uh, junior C last year was an emergency backup for Barry, the Barry Colts for a little bit. And now he's the, the third goalie for USA at the World Juniors. Wow. So he's one of the few CHL guys, not someone I would have expected to be there. But when it comes to Musty, it's just like, it, at the same time, for as good as he's playing, you know, he's also playing with some pretty damn good line mates. Um, so it's not like he's dominating it all on his own and you can't keep him off there. Um, that's not, again, not a slight against him. You know, it helps that he's playing with two standing junior hockey players too. Um, mm -hmm. But it was just kind of a numbers game, really, from what I was told. What's up with the slew footing thing? Um, finding a replay of that, it's like finding like Zapruder. Like you can't find it out there. So I still haven't seen it, what but... he did, but <laughs> yeah, that was I, I. I haven't seen the footage either. Oh, so even you haven't seen it. But clearly, it, it was enough happen. to give him the suspension, and then he comes back Twice. and he get like a five point game in his first game back or something. He like did, that. yeah, but then he got that suspended again. The same thing. Is um, is is Quentin Musty the Draymond Green of the OHL? <laughs> Discuss. Put it this yeah. way: he's going to be in the top six next year. I'm confident. Yeah, because this this team kind of is going to turn over a ton, right? Like, there's a lot of guys that are going to lose eligibility after this year, Snuggery, or be in the NHL. Majority guys like that. Yeah, he'll be like he'll probably be what that second line is now. With Will Smith. Yeah, Will Smith. I'm I'm banking on him going to the NHL next year. Um, but you're going to wow. throw in James Haggins there. You're going to Cole Eiserman. You're going to get musty. Like it's still going to be a stupidly dangerous team. Well, I got to, uh, you know, stop like, you know, a record scratch. Uh, Will Smith going to NHL next year. What are your expectations of him of just sort of how he uh, translates uh, the first year? Uh, I guess we'll see. I, th that was my prediction last year and I want to stick to <laughs> it, but okay. uh, it's just, I think he, 
again, when he takes over, he takes over and he thinks the game at a very high pace. He plays the game at a, at a high pace. There's a lot of NHL caliber talent there in terms of the way he thinks the game shoots the puck. Deke's past guys like, you know, Deke had passed some USHL defensemen last year is not the same as Deacon out Kale McCarr, but it's still <laughs> something where it, you're, I think he's going to be a solid enough to a player, a solid enough skilled forward that he's going to have no problem stepping into the NHL when he gets the chance. We'll just see kind of, I guess, you know, obviously San Jose is not expecting big things like next year. So maybe they don't need to rush him. Well, maybe they get Celebrini and then you really don't need them. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be, if, if Smith signs and he plays in the NHL next year, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Um, I just, I wonder if it's kind of like in Greer's focus, because I know that they're, they're very, very patient with the prospects so far. Um, well, like it, so it's got to be better say. than Columbus, which they don't seem to know what they're doing with the young guys. Up, yeah, up down, scratch, like all sorts <laughs> of things. David Yurichek and Ken Johnson. Like, it does seem like they just... <laughs> throwing stuff at the wall and Cole Sillinger, man. It, yeah, you're right. It's just, they doesn't seem like there's any kind of rhyme or reason with their team, but um, yeah. So we'll have to see about uh, Will Smith. Cause like there is, I think in my opinion, some stuff that he could do in college to be better for the NHL, but you're right. The offensive impact he could have even at the NHL levels is probably enough to keep him. So we'll have to see. Um, let's move on to uh, Team Canada really quickly. And this one will be kind of a shorter segment. Sharks don't have as many <laughs> prospects um, for Team Canada. But they do have one of the surprises of the tournaments uh, in terms of who makes the roster is Jake Furlong um, out of um, Halifax in the QMJHL. Uh, Furlong making this team, what do you think? Uh, you know, uh, I did not have him making this team, but the way he played in camp, he scored the two goals in that first game against Hugh Sports. Granted, one was an empty netter, and the other mm -hmm. was the biggest gift of a pass from future <laughs> San Jose Shark, Macklin Celebrini. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, from beyond that, though, in the second game, I thought he was still a really strong defensive defender. He, he played really well in his own zone. He It seemed like that first game gave him the confidence, like, oh, I can do this. I can make this team. And he played a much more rounded game in that second uh, showing there. So good for him, you know getting a chance to talk to him after that first game. He's someone who said that he had to, to really prove a lot of people wrong to get to this point. I thought he, like some of the guys that he had to go beat out there, like Ty Nelson's one of the more dynamic offensive defensemen in the CHL and stole a spot away from him there. So I think that's a big deal. So him making this team was not a guy I thought was going to, but he took advantage of Ty Nelson having a quiet run and Michael Bushinger, the Blues prospect, having a terrible uh, camp. And he took advantage of it and it showed. So uh, good for him. You know, a player that when he pinches in, he knows when to pinch in. He's smart about that. And that really paid off in that that first goal he scored. And what do you think his, his role is going to be on this team? I know it's always hard to kind of say that beforehand, but what do you think his role is going to be? I, I I think I got him penciled in potentially as the seventh defenseman on this team. Uh, mm -hmm. Just because, you know, they got some a bit more defensive guys that could play in a bit different roles. Um getting Tristan Leno healthy. He's been sick for a few days. He'll be back in the lineup likely for the next exhibition game. And I think he'll be fine. Um, obviously an Anaheim Ducks uh, prospect there. Mm -hmm. So Canada's defense is, is quite rounded uh, in terms of they got some size, they've got some speed, they've got some skill. They got some guys who know how to play defense in their own zone, because one of these things you will notice about a lot of quality defensemen these days is they don't play a lot of defense. And uh, I think that's something that won't necessarily be an issue with this team. So I think they'll push him farther down. But hey, you know what? He's there, and he's got a chance at gold and Canada's third potential gold in a row. 
Yeah, I, I do love the Jake Furlong story. <laughs> and I, I think I, I watched him in that second eSports game. Um, and I, I really did like his defensive impacts. And he, he seems like kind of a guy that's maybe his mid-game is a little mature. Um, it's like a, for a junior hockey player, at least. And that's probably going back to what you're saying, where a lot of guys don't play good defense. I think Furlong can play good defense. So maybe it's that's like, why they bought him. Frank Brant Clark in his early days in the OHL, like, I don't know if sometimes if he ever, like, if he was allergic to his own goalie <laughs> being near him because he would <laughs> never play a lot of defense, but he sure. put up a crap ton number of points. And yep. we've seen kind of what that's allowed him to do this year in the AHL. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's funny how that happens where these defensemen don't play defense and they yeah. are just trying to shoot the puck at all times. I haven't watched Denton Matejchuk this year uh, much at all, actually, but. He reminds me of that during his draft year. It was just like, go wild and out, going to be activating all the time, that kind of thing. I wonder if he still plays like that. He Well, you look at him this year, he's, he had t- points in his first 23 games. Uh, mm-hmm. And his only game in, that he, he's played this year outside of the NHL preseason, he had three points in four games with Columbus then, so he was still good then. The only game he hasn't got a point was the final game before he flew to camp. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and he scored two goals against Denmark in the uh, the first exhibition game. So uh, defensively, I have not seen him play any defense in person. Uh, I've only seen sure. him score goals. So we'll see. <laughs> even while you're watching, he's not playing defense. Yeah. It, it didn't help. He actually didn't participate in any of those uh, two games in Oakville for training camp, but he, sure. in that little scrimmage, he was, he was trying to create chances on the rush. Yeah. Uh, good for Jake. I'm actually super pumped about him making the team, but let's move on to, to team Sweden and two guys that are, that are very used to playing internationally um, and Philip Bistet and Matthias Havilland. So Philip Bistet was the Sharks first round pick in 2022 uh, towards the latter end of the first round. He had an amazing U20 last year. He put up like 10 points in seven games, but he's had a little bit of a down year this year in Sweden in terms of his offensive production. Um, why do you think he does well at international tournaments as com- like compared to his uh, his Sweden tape this year? Some guys just do, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you look at him this year and, and not putting up a ton of points. He's actually on pace for fewer points despite playing more games um, projected this year with Linkoping. And a lot of that is, you know, the team has a bit more scoring depth, kind of push him down a little bit, not always getting the same ice time. But I don't know. He, he's always kind of struck me as a hot and cold player. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, like watching him with the world junior eight or the world junior summer showcase was one of the best players in that entire tournament. And it helped that, you know, the Swedes brought just the one team. So they got a, you know, a good read on most of their guys, but he was consistently one of the standout guys in that uh, tournament. It, it just, some guys just play better internationally. Dalibor Dvorsky. He's one of them. Otto Stenberg, another one that just, you know, looks like a pedestrian out there in the, in the SHL at times. Then he goes to international tournaments and he's challenging for the MVP award. It's, it's a very difficult thing to get these guys to be playing against men at a young age. So even an 18, like you're not seeing a lot of guys at that age playing a lot, doing a whole lot in the SHL. So when someone's putting up numbers like Jonathan LaCaramacchi, the Canucks prospect, that's notable. So I'm not concerned yet. And we're still talking about a young guy playing on a team that cares more about winning than developing their guys, which makes a lot more sense given it is a pro hockey league, but (laughs) it just seems like he shows up in these tournaments and that's what they need from him again uh, this year. I think last year he was with, um, was he with Leo Carlson last year at the U twenties? I think he was. I believe so. Yeah. And that's, that's why he got the 10 points he did. (laughs) That's the other (laughs) thing. It's like, he seemed to play really well with Leo Carlson. Um, and uh, he's going to have to kind of be on his own line um, 
but it is a really well-rounded Swedish group. It feels like like the this forward depth for there seems a little bit um, understated. I think a lot of guys that have played together before. Yeah, like the thing with this team is they've been in the finals of the U18s back to back years. So you get the guys who were very close to each other two years ago and the guys that were close together last year are getting to combine and make this really well-rounded um, uh, offensive group. Defensively, we can always count on the Swedes to be pretty good. I think for me, the big concern is their goaltending, mm -hmm. uh, where Hugo Havla, the brother of Matias and the, the son of the coach, might be the starting goalie, but he's the smallest guy they have there and the only undrafted goalie prospect. But he tends to be given the nod because, you know, skill-wise, he's very good for this level. Um, probably not having an NHL career at 5'10", uh, but I think just he we know that he can come out and shine. We saw that at the Will Junior Summer Showcase. We've seen that in the past. Mm -hmm. I still think it's a team that I don't particularly trust because it's very hard to trust the Swedes at this tournament ever when you look at the record over the last 20 years. Now with uh, Beestead and uh, Matthias Havlita, what do you see with their NHL ceilings at this point with the seasons that they've had in Sweden? It's a good question. You know, with with Havlid, I think I love that he's a he's a puck moving defenseman who I thought you know actually landed some good hits. I thought he was really good at that World Junior Summer Showcase. I, in terms of what his NHL you know potential is, I'm not sure at this point. I know for this team, he probably is going to be if he's not top pair, he's second pair. He's mm -hmm. going to be playing a lot of ice time. Might even be the one of the power play quarterbacks. Um, so we'll see there. Uh, with Beestead, it's kind of like I almost wonder if he'll fit better as a wing in the NHL. Uh, where he doesn't have all that responsibility and a lot of what he does is just getting to the net and, and putting pucks in the net because mm. he can do that. He's got that size. Um, so we'll see. But I, I think both should be NHL players. I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. It's maybe not top pairing top six guys, but depth guys who, who do a lot with the puck that you'll get excited about. Mm. And and Havlet didn't get to play last year in the U20s. I think he was injured during that time. If I remember right, I just don't um, remember exactly what, but he didn't play. But two years ago, he was in the U18s and he put up like 12 points in six games, which is nuts for a defender. I wish um, he was bigger. Like, and mm -hmm. I think that's that's a given that both he and his brother would be better if they were bigger. But watching them play at that U18 level, it's like they, they're, they're pretty damn good. And with, with yep. Matias... I I know a lot of eyes will be on Axel Sandy and Pelica, but I think Havlid could be one of the better defensemen in this tournament uh, if he plays like we saw him at the Road Junior Summer Showcase. Love it. Um, we have one more prospect to talk about. And he's my favorite. One second after <laughs> I plug in my headphones. Shang, do you want to take it over? Sure. Casper uh, Halton and uh, Team Finland. And uh, actually, well, I, I have many questions, but actually my first question, Stephen, is to you. Why is he your favorite? He's full of violence, whether it be how hard he hits, well, how hard he shoots. I got to see him for the first time in person at the U18s. And I've never seen a guy land as a hit as hard as he did and then go out and take a shot that somehow didn't break the glass within seconds of each other. Uh, Love watching him with London. I think he's just a, a pure talent. A lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to talk to. I got to talk to him where he had a stare down with James Haggins after the U18 game they had against each other. And Haggins one of the top prospects for 2025. And it was hilarious because they got into it a few times and Haggins isn't known to get into like the, the muddy areas, but uh, you know, 
halted and dragged him in there and, and made him get involved that way. And that was a lot of fun. So I love guys that hit score, get in the heads of, of opponents and have a good smile about it afterwards. Mm, yeah. Casper does have a lot of personality. I talked with him a bit, uh, uh, during the rookie faceoff, I believe. And yeah, so definitely for sure on, on that end. So that, that is exciting. But my, my question with him though, is, uh, watching him though, that he is, uh, sort of a, he shoots harder than everybody else. He hits harder than everybody else. He's bigger than everybody else, but does he do anything else? Like the other stuff is, is he learning, uh, how to play, uh, the, the other parts of hockey, uh, in London? It's it's tough because again they're a high flying team where he doesn't necessarily need to do a whole lot of everything. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I did notice watching him play in that first exhibition game they played, I think it was yeah it was against Slovakia yesterday. He was blocking shots. He was mm -hmm. really hustling in his own zone. His game is built around you know putting some pucks in the net and 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 doing that. Like that's his job. That's what he'll do if he gets to the NHL. But uh, I think he still needs to work on the well rounded game. Uh, can get beat in the puck races a little from time sure. to time. Uh, sometimes will be maybe too much of a watcher out there, but I think just from the raw talent right now, he's getting into a good spot. Mm. He's kind of like perfecting the things that he's good at right now. And he's, the rest is going to hopefully come. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I watched him at the, the yesterday against that Slovakia team. It, it felt like a different player than what I watched in London. Cause I've seen him in London and it does feel like, I don't know. He feels like just a power play option and he's not really that dominant, even strength, but I don't know. Yesterday he was flying. Like it was a different player almost. Yeah. It's like he give him the space and he'll make it work. I think there's still a bit of an adjustment for him trying to figure out the OHL ice, but uh, we didn't get to see really what he was capable of last year with HIFK and mm -hmm. didn't score one assist, didn't play a whole lot, but against his own group, like his own age group, he really looked good. He was a very difficult player to get, play against it's going to be an interesting thing to see how he does translate to the NHL because he will not be the biggest player every single night. He will not be the strongest player every single night, but the raw, again, the raw talent makes me excited that if he could just work with the coaches to develop the rest of his game, I think he'll be more than just a human, human wrecking ball with a <laughs> shot that looks stupidly powerful every time he takes it. Yeah. The, um, the, Old time hockey and, and Casper Halton and is strong, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except that he doesn't fight. He sounds a lot like yeah. uh, this would be an old callback for Sharks fans, but like sounds like Link Gates. But uh, Link Gates. he's got to add cool. some uh, <laughs> Vista cups to that, though. <laughs> I love it. Is there is there anybody else from the Sharks prospect pool that you're you want to talk about or, or, or shout out that you can think of? Well, you know, shout out to Cameron Lund for for having a, a decent season this year a guy that i think with this 6 foot 2 frame and the the defensive capabilities there i like what what he's he brings to the table there uh wasn't a usa world junior you know threat to sure. me i don't think he was going to make the team but just you know a guy that works hard and that type of energy that type of size uh, could carve out a, a decent pro career out of that yep. yeah no, no i, I guess, guess my question oh go ahead Keegan. No, uh, well, okay. So I guess one more guy is, that didn't make Team Canada was Luca Cagnoni after his like I don't know like thirty points in twenty games or whatever he had. Um, is it really just kind of like he's small? Is that <laughs> is that kind of the answer? Yeah, like he, he does have a bit of tenacity to him, but mm -hmm. they didn't like for uh, you would have to even for all the offense. Yeah, he needed to be a bit better defensively, have a bit more size to really have had a chance on this team because like he would have had to fight out for like a spot against Noah Warren, who's six foot five and yep. very good defensively and has the things that Kegnoti's missing. I'm a big fan of his game. I, I wrote a story about him on, on draft day saying like, 
this guy could be one of the bigger steals, I think. Um, and I he got drafted, what was it? Yeah, fourth round. Fourth I thought round, 123. Drafted. Yeah, yeah should have been drafted much higher than that. But his lack of size does hurt. And I know that there's more smaller defensemen we're seeing in the NHL come through, but that's still not the norm. It's still mm-hmm. tough for a guy like him to really shine through without being like a superb, outstanding own zone player, which I feel like there are too many times where he's focused on trying to shoot the puck more than defend. And uh, my, uh, yeah, my, my last question is just, uh, where would you rank the, the shark system, uh, compared to the rest of the NHL? Um, uh, is it, uh, still many years of darkness for a sharks fans or, uh, <laughs> or do you have a, uh, <laughs> a, a ray of light to, to bring us? <laughs> I think I, I can't remember where I put them in my draft or, or my prospect pool ranking. Oh, not good. Was, not good guys. No, no, but it, it was like top five. I'm pretty sure. Like, Oh, really? Okay. okay. I actually <laughs> legitimately think that there's enough talent. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Top lower 10, than top it was top 10 for sure that's for sure <laughs> i think will smith gives it so much validity yeah big question for me who's gonna be that goalie of the future for the team it, me yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll play goalie i'm good in nhl 24 i can do it hugo um, havillard we signed him as a free agent yeah yeah, yeah, yeah he, 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 taller than me yeah he doesn't you know get over the crossbar but you know like sure why not uh and this year's draft's not gonna really change that i think they gotta start putting towards that and you guys would know better than me, but obviously you see what Blackwood's doing this year. This feels like the Blackwood that many Canadians thought would be, make him the starting goalie mm. for the Olympics had they played in 2022. And it fell flat in those years in Devils, but it's nice to see him really find this game again. So maybe he's the guy. Maybe they tried him. I don't know. They, they got to figure out that option. That's the one thing they're missing because they're a better, a much better prospect group than they were heading into the NHL trade deadline last year. Getting a... Uh, sure. Muka Madulin helped Henry Throne. I like him. Like, they've added some key pieces. They just need a goalie at this point. Yeah. A couple more. And Mac with Celebrini. That won't hurt. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, if you don't get him, like, yeah, you get, let's say you get Eichmann. Let's say you get Demidov. Like, hey, we missed out on Michkov. We're not making that mistake again. <laughs> I guess uh, I have it. one more to close then with just uh, with Celebrini. Uh, where do you kind of see his, like, where would Celebrini go, go in the 2023 draft? Top oh. three, I think. Top um, three still? Okay. I'm I'm not sure if I like him more than Fantilli at this point. Um, and I, I would pick, pick him just above Michkov. And I think with me, like, did you like watching Jonathan Taze in his prime era? Like, that's what you get with Celebrini, except Celebrini also hits a bit more, too. Um, a guy that the players love having around. They, they view him as a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so smart. You look at the numbers. They're incredible. Uh, the skill, it's incredible. Like, the goal he scored to win bronze at the U18s, he did that with, like, like a great move, deked out the goalie with a injured shoulder. Like what? <laughs> this guy's got so much talent. It's he's the real deal. And you know, every year it's always like, oh, that first pick. You expected so much great things, but mm-hmm. I feel more confident about him than I felt over Lafreniere uh, to a point. Shane Wright, even though he didn't go first overall in 2022, mm-hmm. but should have. Um, things like that. I, I think Celebrini's mm. just he's a he's a complete package at this point. Okay. I guess I got one hey. more before we get you out yeah. of here. Sure. Um, there's a bunch of, I guess, def- or, or defenders in the like top 15 or so in this 2024 draft. Do you have a favorite um, so far? I had this conversation with Ryan Kennedy of the Hockey News yesterday, and it's tough. On one hand, Anton Siliev, six foot seven defenseman who knows how to skate and, and produce offensively, playing almost 20 minutes a night in the KHL. That's pretty impressive. I think Zane Parekh is an 
a blast to watch. I hate you describing somebody as fun to watch as a prospect because that feels like that's not really analysis. But sure. Zane Parekh will always do something every game that's like highlight real worthy. Like that's he's a very fun defenseman that way. But Zeb Williams really kind of growing on me here. You look at what Lane Hudson was able to do last year, and, and Zeb Williams kind of doing the same thing this year in college at Denver, and um, he's going to play a big role in this U.S. team. So. Um, Obviously, of those those three guys, he's the only one playing the World Juniors this year. But he was a 2005 born, a late born guy, so he got the the full two years of junior before going to college. So he has a bit of an up there. But uh, I think those are the three guys. If I had to pick one right now, I think the the sky high potential of Siliev is interesting because you don't get guys who are that big can skate like that and that offensively aware at six foot seven. That doesn't happen. So. I'd say going I'd back to Russia. Right now. <laughs> going back to Russia. That's it. It's a slippery yeah. slope when you're looking at guys when you don't know if they're coming over anytime soon, right? So yeah, it's kind of a, a little bit of a danger there. Um, and I think he's. I guess it's kind of comparable to Dmitry Simashev last year. I mean, and their games are a little bit different, but huge guy can skate really well. Yeah, um, I, don't, I think I like him more than Simashev. I guess the one thing I'll say about Russian prospects is there's always the concern if they come over or not. I actually can't remember the last like high quality prospect to not come over. So if that helps, it's, it seems like all the, the actual sure bet NHL players do eventually make it over. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on and and talking our year off all about the, the future of the San Jose sharks, which is bright and get involved. (laughs) Top 10. Thank you for coming on and being fun to watch Steven. Yeah. Thank you guys. You know, again, it's been fun legitimately watching sharks games this year because you never know what's going to happen in a given game. Um, But I I do think the future is bright, but in, you know, get used to maybe another couple more years of this, (laughs) a couple more years of terror, (laughs) a little darkness, get ready for it because it'll pay off in the end. Yeah. Love it. All right. Let's get you out of here. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks. thanks, Thank you